challenging situation far more difficult. If possible, staying connected with your loved ones through digital methods is one way to maintain contact. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. Welcome to the show. I am always happy to have you guys. I hope you're having a great morning so far. I It feels like a long time since I've been here and I missed you guys. It is July 2nd. My name is Trisha Lionel and of course I'm happy that you guys are tuned in on Hits FM 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south. Also on Facebook on our live stream. Um, channel 124 on Flow and of course on Instagram and as well on Twitch. I appreciate you guys tuning in and about yesterday I apologize. I, I missed you guys. I couldn't make it um, into work. Uh, the people, my coworkers. Said they didn't miss me. These people are not nice people to work with. But I do know that some people called, and I appreciate you guys calling, like Ansha, um, Augustine, Nurse Henry as well, and so many other people, Jatani in New York, um, Heather in Tortola. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. But I'm fine now. I just had to um, take a break. So now that we're here, um, there's a lot. There's a lot I think we need to talk about. And for me... The unions that we've covered even from the very beginning of the show um, and what exactly has been happening between the government and the trade union leaders um, and, of course, with the duty-free concession vehicles, that's the first thing that was mentioned. That's one of the first things mentioned by the prime minister in his budget um, presentation last week. So, you know, we had that discussion. And last week, I think we need to go back and listen to the president of the CSA where he is saying that this is just another attempt to divide and rule the uh, organizations, the unions. And just so that we refresh our memories on that, I think we need to go back into it because we're hearing new word from the president of the Police Welfare Association, which to me indicates that maybe there is um, some sort of divide there. But first, let's listen to uh, Cyprian Montreux. Those of the police are very happy that they are receiving concessions and I am happy for them. What we are dissatisfied with is that it is very discriminatory in the sense that the government is using COVID-19 to provide incentives to workers that even among themselves is discriminatory. Example, a police officer who worked during COVID-19 in year one alongside a police officer who worked in COVID-19 in year six of employment is not receiving the same benefit. In other words, the government is, is at providing an incentive to long-standing workers rather than persons who work within COVID-19. And that's very discriminatory. Divide and rule? It's a suggested maybe divide and rule. It is beyond divide and rule. It is beyond divide. And he went on to say that you know, the, the police and the other public servants are, you know, they're smarter than that. And he thinks it's just being used as some political tool um, to control the unions. And when you hear things like, I think it could be a valid point because people are concerned. And you know that we've had the discussion of bonds. We had three months of the prime minister um, using really powerful language, trying to get, um, trying to force the bonds on the different unions. When that didn't work, he came um, more peacefully asking for, you know, let's come together and work this out. And now he has completely just, you know, forgotten about the idea of bonds completely. And now they're working on something else altogether. So we're here now. Um, and it was interesting on Police Insight. That is a show on NBC um, every Wednesday. 
Every Tuesday, I think. Every Tuesday by uh, Zach. He's also a police officer. And I remember him um, when we did youth parliament together. And, of course, he's very concerned about the issues. And that was one of the questions he posed to the president of the Police Welfare Association, which I think was a good question. It's really good, especially in these times, especially what we're seeing between police and the public. And um, it's something that's been happening for a while where people feel that they cannot trust the police and the police themselves seem to be having, um, they, they don't trust their, the people within their own ranks and some of them their own superiors. But before we get really into that, let's listen to Travis Chico when he is asked, you know, whether there is a divide and rule sort of thing happening between the unions. Um, and that is what he had to say. Um, this has caused some debate. So uh, I would like to hear your reaction to, to some of those um, points that have been brought up. Um, social media and various forms of media. Um, some people believe that this may just be a political strategy. Um, some persons believe that they're concerned that not just too long ago, uh, the police present, presented a united front, let's say with, with the other unions, the TUF, CSA, etc. And um, some persons believe that, um, that a possibility of making such a move might possibly cause the police, or there might be some form of division, a divide and conquer tactic by the, by the government. What say you on that? Well, I, 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 I understand the position in terms of um, one um, person would say that it's a political move. Um, sometimes political moves benefit certain persons, mm -hmm. and if, if, if something benefits you, you capitalize on it and you make use of it. Um, I don't think, I don't think that it is totally a political move. As you know, we would have negotiated this for quite some time. We would have written almost three to four letters, reminding and asking, continue asking our commissioner to make representation at his business days, um, weekly meetings with cabinet, again throwing it in the ears of the, the minister of national security. And, and and one thing that is that is very. But what about concerns about the possible divide and rule? Do you think that is enough to cause the police to say, hey, to you we, we, we no longer stand side by side with various issues? Definitely not. And, um, the police, as I've said, has a conscience. And, and as we know that we are not into negotiations as it pertains to the modality of peer approach upon by the, by the subcommittee of cabinet to the police welfare associations and other unions. Mm. We are in discussions. So... So there is no need for there to for persons to to think the divide and rule. And and, 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 I, and I and I dare say that Zach, that for for you to believe that if a concession is given to the police or the fire service or the nurses or the doctors, such would cause a divide. This this is really looking at the associations who received it into into a sus, almost like a, a suspect action mm -hmm. look or something like that. But I, I'm not perturbed. Neither am I disturbed by, by some of these comments. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, Zach, I know that we have police officers who are in dire need, who need the concession, and the concession is going to benefit them and the family. It's also going to create... It's, it, it actually adds, it actually assists the national strategy for crime in this country in terms mm -hmm. of allowing the police to be a lot more mobile. Because I can tell you, I, I had a conversation with the president of the minibus the N NCOPT mm -hmm. and, and, and I was a bit I was amazed with the level of the conversation he, he, he indicated to me Chico as much as we enjoy the security of the police and we enjoy the business of the police but it is disheartening as a bus driver to see the police at 11 and 12 midnight after one standing in the city of Castries on the roadsides waiting for transportation and, and it broke my heart. And, and, and to see this is a concern of a, cit a, a citizen, a civilian, brings it up to the Welfare Association. I am indeed pleased that the consideration has been given to the police, the nurses, the firemen, and the doctors. I'm sure, I'm sure that good, 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 good wisdom will prevail and eventually it can be a program which is rolled out to, to, to uh, around the board. But for now, we heard the explanation, and, 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 and we, 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 must, we must treat with it at okay. this point. Now, that was the president saying, giving his explanation for everything. But I think what my, my thought of when I heard, 
unions. It's about everybody coming together. And if I have and you don't have, then, you know, we haven't succeeded. And we know that the police broke off from the Trade Union Federation some years ago. And from that, they've always had this perception that they're for themselves, that um, they don't seem to care about the others, and they think they're more important than the others. These are the, the accusations being leveled at police, if we're going to be very honest, that they think they're more essential among the essential. You know, not all are created equal sort of thing. Some people do have that estimation of what the police is doing. And I think um, when you say things like that, that um, if we could just replay that one clip, that's what I found was very interesting. There's something that I found interesting with what Mr. Travis said in, you know, when answering that question. Um, sometimes political moves benefit certain persons. And if, if, if something benefits you, you capitalize on it and you make use of it. And that, that to me is the entire problem of what we're seeing in this country in that, you know, political moves will benefit some people and you have to capitalize on it. If, if it's there for you, then take it and everybody else, you know, you'll fend for yourself. And that, I think, is the issue. And men, when Mr. Cyprian Montrope says it's discriminatory and people, even within the ranks of the police, you're also going to get um, a division and then you're going to get an even further division between and among the members, among the unions. I think he has a valid point. So, Mr. Chico, you know, we speak a lot. We have these conversations. We've had a few interviews. But in this one, when, when you spoke here, I think um, it just spoke to the, the divide. It really did speak to the divide and you um, accepting it and looking forward to it and saying, you know, well, we're taking it and we don't know what the others are doing. But um, it's a, if it, even if it is a political decision, we're going to benefit from it. And quite honestly, I think that is just, you know, the problem that we're facing um, in a, our wider society that, you know, if we're benefiting from something and somebody else isn't and somebody else is getting it worse off, you know, we're and um, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what I'm doing. So um, maybe we would need to revise that sort of sentiment, Mr. Travis. I, of course, I'll call you. You know, we'll stay friends. But I just had to say that I didn't think that is the way that unions should go about having these negotiations or having things when they're... And with, when um, Cyprian Montrouk spoke, he said that he's asked for that before and there has been no word from government on it and now it's being used. Now it's being used for budget and even then the COVID um, pandemic is being used um, as you know to gain these cheap political points and that's, that's exactly what he was saying. Um, but as we go along with the show, I'm really concerned with what is happening within the police force. We've seen a lot of things from uh, our... As acting police commissioner that day of the uh, drive when, you know, that was stopped and um, Christopher was arrested. And then you had the logbook saying, turn back all the, the people wearing red. Then you had the transfer of the SSU um, lead officer there to complaints unit. And that to me was really, really disturbing. And I still haven't gotten why that was done. What are the protocols for transferring a police officer from one department to another? And to me, it's an emotion. I don't know how exactly the police uh, arrangement is, but if you're going to lead the special services unit and then go somewhere in complaints unit, where I'm sure people are just, you know, sitting at the desk. I, I'm sure you guys are working hard as well. But if you're working SSU, I don't think you would want to go to complaints unit. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's a demotion as well. So, you know, the circumstances surrounding that transferal is what? I know that that um, Mr. Deterville was at that protest. I tried to speak with him. I, um, I didn't get a, an interview, but just by he was the only one speaking to the uh, protesters and we had one woman hugging him and saying, you know, he's, the, he's a nice officer, he's trying with us, and that sort of thing. He was really liked. That's, what I, that's the atmosphere. That's what I got when we were there on Sunday. And we do have a clip of um, him speaking to the people on um, Sunday some weeks back. Hello. Hello. Come on, come on, come on. 
And Mr. Ditoville, I haven't been able to speak with him. I would love to, to know exactly how, you know, he's thinking right now, what exactly he's feeling um, right now. But when we were there, and it was a marathon, you know, thing where we started, the drive started late. And even before that, there was the whole um, row-row with should we go or shouldn't we. And, you know, it took a couple, I think, seven hours for all of that. And throughout it all, I think, you know, he was there. And people there will tell you that there was a reason he was liked um, because there were some people who were using more force than necessary or using stronger language, and he was being very peaceful with the way he was um, talking to people. Um, And the rumors we're hearing is that he refused to use rubber bullets on the protesters. I haven't heard that denied completely, explicitly yet, but if that were the case, and that's the things that we need to know, that if uh, this officer didn't adhere to some of the um, orders being given, what, is that why he was transferred? And if not, if not, then what was the reason? Why mere days after that was he transferred from SSU to there? And of course, the SSU officers were saying they're demoralized. And I imagine if you have somebody in your ranks for that long and the person is leading you, you build trust, especially in that sort of um, environment. And we know SSU officers keep uh, to keep together. For better or for worse, they're you know, always stuck together and then to have him transferred. So, of course, they saying that they, they demoralized. They had a meeting with the police commissioner, to which I don't think anything really has come out yet. All we're hearing is vague answers, vague um, reports of what happened. But um, the only thing and the most recent thing we have from right now is, again, uh, the president of the Police Welfare Association speaking on how the meeting went, speaking on what should be done with that situation uh, regarding Mr. Deterville. The Police Welfare Association given given interview to um, NBC, this broadcasting network, stating that um, the the react the, that there was a reaction by SSU personnel to the transfer of ASP Button Deterville, and um, and the the PWA stated that, and I quote. Um, that the, this caused the officers to be affected, and if um, this affect affection um, can cause a ripple effect to other other departments. I right. think this 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 interview is given for about a week or a two week, ago. Yes, exactly. So what I'd like to know: Can you give us a status update well, in terms well, of the moral of our SSU officers? Well, well, definitely the Welfare Association would have found it fit to meet with those men. Um, we felt that we um, had to speak with them because whilst the transfer is not within our rights to to agitate, neither do we represent the assistant, the, the acting superintendent, mm-hmm. but just the information reaching the Welfare Association indicating that the men are demoralized, they are demotivated, they, they, they figured that the best thing that would have happened to them in recent times was given an unfair or was treated or dealt with unfairly, and they felt that they needed to share their voice on the situation and wanted to have a discussion with the Commission of Police. As a Welfare Association, as the President, I found, I, I, I felt that it was within my right to speak with the Commission and said, Sir, you have a situation where you are transferring X, Y, and Z. And because of the transfer, the men are saying it is going to affect their morale, okay. it's going to affect their performance, it is going to affect their, 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 or it's going to be toxic molest for the new person coming in. Mm-hmm. And I felt that we, had, we needed, needed an opportunity to sit in with the Commission of Police and for him himself to be open with them and to speak with them on what was happening. So said so, then it happened in a day or two. He came, we had the meeting, the members in full, in full support. They came and they, they, they spoke on, on, on what was affecting them. The Commissioner in turn would have agreed from some of their positions. He too had his own position. And coming out of the meeting, a number of positions were discussed. And, and moving forward, the future of the leadership of the Special Services Unit was also discussed. Because when you look at the leadership at this point, quite a few of our members within the next year, within the next mm-hmm. two years and three years, would be leaving the police force. So that was discussed. And also a number of other key items were also discussed. But I felt as the President of the Welfare Association, that I had to remind the members that whilst we continue to stand in solidarity for the, super, the, assist, the acting superintendent of police, we must never forget 
our brothers and sisters who are within the same portfolio as us who continue to receive mm -hmm. improper and transfers which are not in keeping mm -hmm. with transferring somebody. Mm -hmm. And I said to them that it was important that when the injustice happens among us, yes. that we must stand just as we stand the way we, we did for Mr. Deterville. Yes. Yes. Mr. Chico, you still tell me nothing yet, huh? <laughs> I still, there's a lot of talking, and I always find that so intriguing. Like, you'll get somebody to speak for two hours and say nothing at the same time. You know, I always, I always marvel at that. Um, because you're saying there's a meeting, but what came out of it? And you're using words like toxic environment, and the people are demoralized, and they want to know what happened to their leader, and... What came out of it? What, what, is, what has been the discussion? What's the decision? Is he coming back? Is he staying there? And I'm telling you, I want to know exactly what Mr. Deterville is thinking, sitting behind that desk at complaints unit. And, you know, whether he feels that his comrades, his friends, stood up for him sufficiently enough. Because if you're going to have a meeting like that and have it with the commissioner, nothing, nothing and running, that, that's, that's all you're coming out with the meeting to say. So I would like more information on that. And I also would like to say too that if you're going to use that situation and say, you know, let's not only look at uh, Mr. Mr. Deterville, you know, let's look at the others and the transfers, that's a complete misdirection. Let's deal with what's happening here. And I think if you deal with that, because it was so public, because he has a face and people see him and we're seeing that transfer and people want to know exactly what's going on, let's deal with that now and let's not make it, or uh, let's put in a general thing and let's ask the questions of those others who have been transferred. I think let's stick with Ditoville and let's see what exactly is going on there and to make sure that there wasn't any abuse of power within um, the between within the police force and also within our government and since we're talking about ssu and we're so concerned about crime and you know we're in the middle of campaigning and election and everything else so you know crime will come up um i think the ssu officers as well they're also under a lot of pressure and just from the images that i'll show you from last night of something that happened in for show where the details are still sketchy but what i'm hearing is that several individuals are in custody suites following that incident and one person was shot um the details surrounding it's still a bit sketchy so i won't even uh, deign to begin to go into that um but what we have are some videos of that and also some SSU officers who continue to put themselves in harm's way, continue to do the hard work that has to be done, but also with uh, accusations being leveled at them for police brutality, whether they themselves are, you know, abusing their power. It's a lot. And I'm sure that the police, and I, I saw them when they were working on, on that Sunday when there was the um, island-wide drive, um, they work hard. And all they're doing and some to their detriment is doing is following orders and for those who seem not to follow orders because of their own you know whether they, their own conscience you know they seem to be punished or maybe they can be punished and maybe you have that that thing over your head so again um these are the images coming out of for our show last night we'll give you some more information on it um in another show but for now, that is what the police has to deal with. That's police brutality right there. That's police brutality right there.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to the entertainment nation on steroids. UTV and Hits FM sinking the eyes and the ears of tomorrow today. Not only can you see it, you can feel it. Airing on channel 124 or tune into radio 92.1 FM is Trisha Lionel in the morning at 11. Also airing live with Lisa and the ever controversial revolution with Christopher Hunt. That's right, we don't do it normal. Stay locked in with UTV and Hits FM, channel 124 and 92.1 FM. UTV, TV for you. Welcome back and thank you so much for staying with us and spending your morning with me. Um, so <laughs> I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't, I'm not a, a sports person. I don't really follow basketball. I mean, I know Michael, I know Michael Jordan and some of the, of our local players. I know football. I, I, I prefer football, but, um, you know, what's going on with the, captain of the basketball team in 1985 and, and whatever else. Um, but what I found really, really interesting, and because the Prime Minister, too, opened the kind of worms and let us um, into his, um, his youthful activities and extracurricular activities, um, it was very interesting. And, of course, it was something that everybody's talking about. It has become headlines. I think, too, it's a bit distracting from the real issues. But even now, when I look really deeply into it, it is telling of the character of our prime minister. Uh, but before we get into that discussion, of course, there was an interview that's of, uh, circulating very widely um, with a former teammate speaking about, you know, who was the real captain and other things like that, and I thought that was very interesting. So, Skeki, for the, for the record, who, were you the captain of the 1985 basketball team that Chastney has pictured in his post? Yes, I was, yeah. I was the captain in 1985. Okay, next question. Um, who was the captain for the 1986 team that is pictured in The Voice? Well, um, conspiracy. Um, it's a story, right? It's a, a um, kind of lengthy story. You know, um, Shastley was going to school in Canada. You know, so him down. Apparently, maybe he maybe was getting, getting, um, Getting problems and getting his run, so he kind of. I knew about it, right? Um, my coach told me if I would like trust me to be the captain, I tell him that I go ahead, do whatever you want. I ain't getting paid for that, you know. I ain't getting paid. So they agreed, but he asked me first, huh? I said to go ahead. Yeah. So he started as captain. Two games. Then the guys from, well, we lost them to him. Then the guys from the, 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 um, the, um, group, anti Shafi, because they may consider if Daman is captain for the next game, they took in their bags and they back to St. Lucia. So they had a meeting, and we came to, well, um, taking back the captain for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, but he played only two games as captain, he lost both games. Two games as captain, he lost both games. And he didn't want to play again because, you know, like he played like, since they moved him as, as the captain, he kind of played like his finger, his finger, you know, just trying not to, you know, like, like his finger fractured his finger, whatever. Yeah, but two games captain, alone I know Chastney. And I was responsible in, in, in helping them and be the captain. So when you go back to Canada, school, whatever, whatever like he gets his, his praises or whatever, I don't know. So it's true that he, he begged to be captain because he wanted it on his resume for the school in Canada? Um, he, he, he forced his way, you know, 
after his father sponsored the uniforms, you know, all that took played a, played a, played a, um, like, um, played a role, you know. His father was the one that sponsored the uniforms, you know. So he had to come out with something at least. But he got two games. I won't lie, he got two games as captain, he lost both games. Then, then the guys said they want back their, their original captain. So the guys had a meeting ready to go home. You know, ready to go back next next flight. What country were they in? We were in Grenada. Well, what, 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 what I, I really gathered from that, um, like, captain wanted to be captain. So his resume was good when he goes back to Canada. You know, back to school. So if he's getting any problems in making the team or whatever, maybe that might give him a little boost, you know? You know? I also went on to be the Central National um, Team um, Captain for the next six, seven years. Undisputable. Yeah. That mistake never happened again. So um, I was saying, like, we were, like, um, sharpness protector, um, protector, that like I'm on the court when 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 um when the guys from Conway because the guys from Conway didn't really like him you know and we used to be there to 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 stop like to kind of shield him from 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 getting any leaks you know and <laughs> until when his father comes you know yeah we were like just the protectors on the court yeah so why the guys didn't like him the Conway fellas. We all how that man is to move. That man when meet when meet lose most times they just take his ball and go on. They stick his ball, you know. Sometimes um game the game come they come the game in progress and his father comes so he they stick his ball one time I guess. So where that man go leave the ball with one of us to be the rest all the time. You know? And let the games continue. He just take his ball selfishly and and gone, you know. They game, game, game done. Sweat, sweat, sweat done. I think that is one of the most riveting things I have ever, ever, ever heard in my life. Um, but it was also interesting to know that the Shasnima's goal slogan was there for 30 years ago. That, um, you know, they didn't, people didn't want him in the, in the basketball team and that sort of thing. But I think more than anything, it really is, you know, showing the character of um, our leader. And this would have never come out if there wasn't that picture. And now it's a basketball thing, a basketball who was the captain and everything like that. Um, but it just goes to show that there are certain people who have been able and believe in buying their position and using it for their own ulterior motives to make themselves look good, to you know advance their own careers, use it on a resume, and finish with that. And f the actual work is never really done. So doing it in a very shallow way, and then there are other people left to pick up the pieces. So I think it says a lot about people who continue to buy positions, but it also says things about the people who continue to let it happen. Something has seemed to work. Something has worked for you for decades. There is no way you stop in now, you know? And it's been successful um, for some people to buy these positions. And it's really, really telling. And it's really sad, too, that that has been allowed to happen. Um, and I think it's something that we as a country have to have some introspection on that. What, what are we doing? Will we continue to let this happen? But, you know, if you, you can go deep inside it and delve into it, but on the surface level of it, just sit there and imagine, you know, you're playing on a court and somebody just, somebody come with the ball and they just take it and they go out there off and now you cannot even play, you know, and it's, these things can happen, but it's when there doesn't seem to be any growth with that person. And, you know, it was decades ago, but there doesn't seem to be any growth. Because I can still see, you know, the National Trust, I'll give my subvention. 
Just take us a measure and move because that is what people do. Certain people do. It seems our prime minister does when he has power and he has control over certain things. And that is why I wanted to repeat this clip where he's saying, and it might not seem like a lot to you, but it tells a lot about someone who can play a game and they're in control of the game. The ball is literally in their court. Have the power of having the game continue, leaving the ball there, or taking it and good at the home and, you know, fend for yourself. So again, that was a powerful clip to me. I don't know whether it was to you. We all, all that money to move. That money, when we, when we lose, most time we just take his ball and go on. Just take his ball, you know. Sometimes, um, game, the game, I'm like, I'm the game in progress and his father comes. So he just take his ball one time, I guess. So where I'm going to leave the ball with one of us to be there, hold it for him, you know, and let the games continue. He just take his ball selfishly and, and run, you know. The game, game, game done. Now, there would be no need for us to go into um, our leader's childhood and into, you know, the way he was schooled and his sporting activities, his extracurricular activities. But now that it's out there by his own doing, um, some people have come out, friends of the family, people who want to speak about him when they knew him when he was younger. You get these things. So you get it with a Barack Obama, you know, who, whoever went to school with him and whoever went to school with Trump. And we have people coming out um, and describing our prime minister back in the day. And, um, you know, we have one friend of the family who also has... Um, some stories to tell, not stories, I, you know, just the past and what um, the Prime Minister was like then. It was RC Boys School and it was Junior Prep School. They were about 13, 14. Cornelius Cooper was the teacher. His best friend, or probably his only friend, was Michael Skeets. He was a bit of a bully, but not as much as Alan Chastenay, who, if anybody upset him, he'd jump over the desk and get them. I'd just beat anyone. If he said anything wrong, he'd jump over the get desk and beat the person. Um... But apparently they had a rebuttal on Friday um, asking questions about what was asked for the week. And he was a gorgo. He'd got no clue at the answers. He didn't know anything. But he was only there for about four or five months because of his attitude towards his peers. I honestly do not know why this is so funny to me. Um, so again, we have another person speaking about the Prime Minister when he was um, a bit younger. And um, it's just it's just so much. I mean, why the need? Why the need to do these things? Um, but on a more serious note, with everything going on, we can see that... There is a certain way that people who feel entitled to things behave. And um, it also seems, I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I figure I hear some people putting out the words narcissistic syndrome and other things like that. That is not my place to say. But, you know, it's something that should be very troubling to us. And it is disturbing to me. It is disturbing to me hearing um, the leader of our country being described that way um, by, you know, a teammate, a former teammate. You, you, know, you say you're captain. Um, two games and everything. And what's even more disturbing to me is that you playing games of basketball and, you know, I, I see, I see on TV, you know, you guys are, you know, making bonding and doing certain things like that. And years later, your teammate needs help. And he calls you. Eh, it'll happen. He calls you here. You're prime minister. You have some power. And even before then, of course, you had power. And maybe you could have helped. And then he's disappointed that nothing is coming from that, and I think that too is um, it's really disheartening. And I'll let Skeki say it for himself. Well, my medical condition is a, a tumor to the back of my to the right back, um, to the right of my head uh, behind. Yeah, um, I've been suffering with that tumor for the last nine years. 
nine years, yeah. And try to to um try to get <laughs> how would I put it? Number one the Prime Minister don't owe me anything. Okay? But as a former um player um birdie on the team, you know, we were like partners on the team, captain and vice captain. You know, I I I, I reached out and I got nothing, like no kind of assistance, nothing. I've been to OKU like about, since they opened about three times already. And what are they saying? No, they just trick me, trick me and send me home, trick me. Spend about five days there in back home. So the tumor, I, where, where I, I used to be suffering like at least 20 hours a day. For how many years? So, um, is it a matter of money in terms of you'd like to travel to try and deal with the problem? Well, the tumor was, was money for sure. 90,000 years. Where you get that kind of money, you know? If, if, if I get help from, from family and friends and maybe the government, you know? As a national player, you know, for how many years, captain, you know, this country for how many years? No, I find like that a man like me shouldn't be begging, begging government to 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 at least help me out with that, you know. And I agree, and that's a real shame that um, one person can post on whatever social media platform that they captained a team, and years later that same that same team members that you you know you're using to boast or to say that you, you use the captain, they need help, they've come out to you, and nothing, nothing ever happens. But I think, again, like I've said before in the show, right now, it seems that we have to fend for ourselves. And, you know, I had his number out there, but I, later on in the show I'll give you, I'll put it out there again. Uh, if you want to help in his situation, he does have the tumor and other ailments that he really does need financial assistance for. Um, and we've seen, too, just in the past couple of weeks, people really coming out and saying they need help. And also, solutions responding in kind and giving that much-needed help. And for that, I am so proud of all of us. Because, again, it's looking like we have to fend for ourselves. I know we tried with the NIC, the government tried with the NIC, um, economic relief program, but that too had its issues where people were getting $17. Um, and even then, we didn't know of any calculation to be had. All we were told was that there was $500 to be given, and that's what we banked on. And now, um, we're hearing from the Director of Implementation in the Office of the Prime Minister that there would have been um, income, income assistance and that should have been given in July, in June, the third week of June. But now, just yesterday, she spoke, and we'll have that later on in the show. She spoke with um, Timothy on Newspin, saying that again, it has to be delayed another two weeks. So it's be, it will be a month and a week that people will have to wait for, you know, a thousand five hundred dollars. And of course, the same way they're giving it all together, because it had to be $500 every month, so they're going to give it together, so it'll be one five. But it's the same way the bills still come in for the three months, and it have to compile too. So again, we're going to have to help each other out. And I got um, one uh, picture, one um, message from a lady who needs the help. But, of course, she doesn't want people to know who she is. She wants to um, keep her identity. Um, she doesn't want it out there. And I still feel we can help her. We did it uh, last week with Miss Leona. Um, I know that people helped, too, with the fire victims at Viewfort. And now we have one mother who needs the assistance. If you can put that up there, um, the picture of her. Good day to you. She says, I'm out of... Um, I'm one of the single parents out there who's desperately in need of help, and I choose to stay quiet because some people tend to believe you're a beggar when you ask for assistance. Let's go to the, the other one. Um, and also say, says, I'm here, um, so frightened that Flo can disconnect their service at any point again, whereas my kids, especially my son, who attends Leon Hess, I feel so distressed a while ago when I read that Leon Hess book list is already out. We can put it away now. Um, and, of course, she's saying right now she needs groceries. Um, that's her immediate need right now. And I respect her coming out 
just like many of the thousands of people currently unemployed and there are no real stimulus um, given to people who are facing such you know, dire turmoil right now. So again, if you want to assist, because we're going to have to do this, we're going to have to do this, um, we're all going to have to help each other out. Um, my number, because you want it to go through me, my number is 460-3054. If there are any donations, I will be handing it over to her. Um, and before we end this segment, let's just take the the last thing that we've heard from the Director of Implementation about the assistance program, about the um, the income assistance um, that she spoke about the day before on Newspin. The, the audio quality is a bit lacking, but you can get the gist of it where she's saying um, she will need and we will need public support and public to get out there and tell people exactly what's going on, but we'll have to wait another week or two. From the NIC was part of the team in assisting us through a lot of the lessons um, and the challenges that perhaps NIC had in setting up the ERP. We learned from that and we ensured that we put necessary processes in place to ensure that we could have the applications. And so we are very grateful to the support provided to us by NIC. However, I must say, whilst I may not be an authority on NIC, some of the challenges that NIC encountered was as a result of perhaps the calculation and the need for information from employees to pay or the amount of money to be paid to those employees. So in many instances, what you have is that, um, is that um, NIC required for the employers to submit certain information on behalf of employees. And in many instances, it took a long time or it took a while Under the ISP, that's the Income Support Program, well, when will the disbursement commence? Well, we're hoping that the program perhaps by the end of this week or very early next week. And that is because, um, because it is a new expenditure team, we had to await the passage of the so that was one of the delays. But I can simply tell you that we have received over 2,000 applications those applications have been processed and they are in queue just waiting for the final approval from the Ministry of Finance and for the final passage or for the appropriation bill to become law. The Senate will be debating the appropriation bill tomorrow. And so once that is done and everything is put in place, be in a position to receive payments via the bank either at the end of this week or very early next week. Final comments from you, ma'am? Um, my final comment is to ask for conclusions to pass on the information, I want to re-emphasize again, there is a $24 million allocation that the government has made available for to assist you. And so I'm asking solutions again, small business owners, self-employed persons, to go online, go to the government website, it's www.govt.lc. You will see Income Support Program. You click on it, fill out that form, put in all your information, and then click Submit. And you will be necessary support from the government of Central.
you identify with the most pulsating, the most riveting, the most eye-capturing UTV. To advertise with UTV, dial 484-7588 or 572-7588. For some of the most competitive rates, amazing programming, and bang for your buck. The most popular streaming channel, UTV124 on Facebook. Get it now! Check us out on Instagram at UTV124. Email us UTVSLU at gmail.com. UTV. It's not just for me. It's definitely TV for you. Welcome back and thank you for staying with us on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1 on Facebook, of course on Channel 124 and Flow, on Instagram and on Twitch. Um, I think we're going into um, overtime, I'll be eating into our other show, but um, it's something that I really think we should discuss. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to see and uncomfortable for us to discuss this. But that is what um, I wanted with the show, for us to have these uncomfortable discussions and uh, decisions and, you know, interactions. So later on, of course, I'll be opening the lines at 572-7588, where we could discuss any anything at all that you want to. But I found it difficult to watch as I'm sure many people will find, especially women. So um, just as a heads up that the following video might be a bit triggering for some, or you might not be able to see it. It's a bit graphic, um, graphic in, in ways that, you know, some people might, you know, not want to see. And it's a woman getting beaten by her spouse. Um, and I was I was battling with whether I should put it out there, but I I think we need to have these discussions. It's difficult to witness, it's difficult to see, but it is the reality for many people right now. And sometimes, you know, I know it's bad when you're out there in public and that's happening to you. So far as when you're inside your house and nobody is seeing. I'll stop talking. I want you to see it for yourself. That's what happened there with this lady. And of course, I feel disgusted watching that. It is despicable. You know what? Let's open the lines. 572-7588. There are other things that we have to look into because when I looked at the laws for domestic violence, I'm being told... You know, when they say domestic, you have to live with the person. You have to actually be a domestic um, resident. Um, so it's not the right thing to see domestic violence. It's actually gender-based violence when that's happening, um, if you're not living together with the person. And to the woman there who's the victim of that, um, my heart really goes out to you. And I reached out to her as well just to understand exactly what um, she's going through. And I'm sure it's a very difficult time and... 
Um, there is no need to be embarrassed because, yes, it's, we're talking about it here, but it is a video that has gone viral. But it is something that we do have to discuss as a society that these things continue to happen. We've all, almost taken it up as, you know, that's just what happens. and it's, it's a culture. And I have heard people say, um, you hear these things. But we do know of instances where we know of domestic violence cases that end up in, you know, gruesome murders. And I'm not exaggerating it. I'm not. I don't think I am. And when we're going to have these discussions, you know, if you're a woman, of course you're angry. You're like, Gabu. And there are other choice words that I could say that I cannot, you know, I cannot say right now in this morning um, talk show. But, you know, I have a few words in mind to say, but that I can't. But it's, it's difficult to witness. And, you know, it brings to the four other issues like, you know, what exactly is there for women who are being battered? Like, you know, do we have a shelter? What's the legislation like? Um, do we, can we get it fixed even when we have the, um, you know, these actions, like, like don't come closer to me sort of thing. Um, and all these things are under the family court too. Um, and now even with COVID and we're seeing how the court cases are going and the backlog of cases that we have, you know, where is the justice for women who face these circumstances. And of course, I spoke with the um, person leading uh, Raise Your Voices, Ms. Catherine Silas, and say what you will about her. She is the one speaking on behalf of women. She has been unapologetic, very persistent, um, calling out for more help, more assistance from the government. And she spoke on, not necessarily this case, but cases of violence, cases of violence, and what exactly do we have in our legislation protecting us, protecting women, protecting uh, victims of abuse? Domestic violence in St. Lucia has not been on the front burner over the last um, four years, I can say that, because we have not been able to receive any data from the Department of Gender Relations that's supposed to collect the data from the VPT unit of the Royal St. Lucia Police Force, the crisis center, the women's support shelter, and other places people go on and under family court. There has been absolutely no data. I have asked for it over and over again, and I have not received any data. Why do you... So, why... go on. so it stands to reason that either the data is not being collected, the data is being collected, but they don't want to publish it because it, ex it exposes the fact that domestic violence is a real problem in St. Lucia, I am not sure what the issue is, but if it was being taken seriously, we would have had the data by now. And what repercussions do you think that has on us as a society if we do not have these figures? We do not have data, so it gives this false sense that there is no domestic violence. Domestic violence is not happening. But we as a group are, are, are getting the, the, the raw end of the stick because we do not have the resources for the, the kind of... of, 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 of of, of, of requests that we get and the number of requests that we get. For example, during um, curfew and lockdown on the, on the corona, the family court was closed, the Department of Gender Relations was closed, the, the Department of Human Services was closed. People had nowhere else to call but us. In one day, we received about 27 calls and the, and the battle cry from the social services agencies belonging to the government after the, the lockdown was, oh, well, we had no reports of domestic violence. There was no place for people to report. Where were they going to report? And what were these reports like, the ones you received? The reports, general domestic violence, men trying to kill women, they beat women, they kick them, they throw them out of the house, they spit on them, the usual. What do, the, I'm looking at a report from um, one of the news stations, and it's uh, we had the gender relations minister, Ms. Gail Rigobert, saying that there will be urgent um, re, revised legislation on domestic violence laws, but that hasn't happened. Do you think uh, enough our, is being done by our... Our organization works with the Commonwealth with a project we call the Equality and Justice Alliance, and funding was provided by the Commonwealth to review, the, to redraft to a certain extent and review the new domestic violence bill. We had the consultations, the minister did not attend, the minister responsible for social justice did not attend. The minister responsible for national security did not attend. It's just line staff that came. But I feel as civil society, we did a very good job in putting a good bill together for domestic violence. 
The Parliament of St. Lucia has been notorious for passing bills midnight, one o'clock in the morning. The Attorney General could have done the same with the Domestic Violence Act bill. That has not been done. So speaking about it, that will fix the issues. The issue needs to be fixed. They need to stop talking about it and do something. As a culture, as a people, do you think we place importance, a real significant importance on gender-based abuse? Because, you know, people say, my, my, my involved commerce, say, bye, say, Muna. that's what you get. What do you think it says about us as a people? Gender-based violence cannot... It, we do a very good job of doing a lot of advocacy, and we work with a lot of people who are victims of gender-based violence. The government of St. Lucia are the leaders of this country, the parliament, the cabinet. They, the few to say that there will be zero tolerance of domestic violence with a company legislation and institutional strengthening of the social services agencies has to be done by the parliamentarians and the legislators. Until that is done, nobody will take it seriously. They're just thinking, the woman just complaining because the man didn't give her money. The woman just complained because she wanted the man money and the man didn't give her money. A little magic that happened there and you want to go to the police. And the police themselves saying, I'm not getting involved in man and woman business. The queue needs to start from the leaders. Until it does, it will be what it is. And we remember Kimberly De Leon, who also had some and quite a few reports of domestic violence, bringing it to the police. We saw that and nothing happened with that as well. So I figure, like you, I guess, would agree that something has to be done or else we'll continue seeing, you know, murders of our women. When a murder happens, you have everybody coming out. That same minister of gender relations stood on the steps of the Ministry of Education in front of the Francis Compton building and said, there will be no, there will always be. To date, we don't have an update on this investigation. This case is going cold, and this woman is children growing up not knowing how their mother died, who killed their mother, and there has been no justice. I also found it very interesting um, speaking. I didn't know this before, that there was the domestic abuse bill um, that has been given to cabinet ministers. And while all the bills are passing through about, you know, what licenses and taxes to put on people and share ball makers and all kind of things. So nothing, nothing for vulnerable women and the children, too, because trust me, the children getting it, too. Nothing to protect them. Um, and when we have these things happening, the video went on for a minute and nothing happened. People were just there watching. And I think it says a lot about us as a people when we see something happening. And once they have nothing to do with us, like I spoke about in our first segment, you know, if it has nothing to do with us, then we don't care. And I think that speaks to us as a, you know, as a larger society that if it's not affecting you, you know, take a video of it and talk about it, but don't involve too much. And I don't think that's the way we should, um, you know, respond to these things. It shouldn't be the way at all. And I think too, of the many cases that people go in to say, you know, they're being abused and nobody takes it on. People just think, you know, or, you know, or little things like that. And I've heard that. I have seen that. And yes, there are women who go back to their abusers. But again, that is still uh, an individual basis, something that I won't get into. What, I'm, what I care about is legislation. What I care about is the shelters. What I care about is where do you go when you're being abused and the only person that you have is, a, is your abuser self. You know, and it's not just that. There's also where there's um, financial independence on your abuser that you can't go anywhere because that's the only way you can, you know, that's the only way you can eat. These are the, some of the very, very uncomfortable things that we are going to discuss and that we will discuss as the time goes on. And later on, we're going to delve in into another show, um, the domestic act, um, domestic bill that we want forwarded and want to be made into law. And why is it taking such a long time for that to happen? But I think. We need to listen to our gender relations minister on domestic violence. And I remember, too, um, the vigil that was held for Kimberly de Leon outside the government buildings in 2018, right after it happened. And I remember uh, Ms. Gail Rigobert speaking in powerful ways, you know, loud and really passionate about what we're going to do about women and what we're going to do about, you know, their safety. Um, and following that, we have a report um, just this year on her strengthening legislation concerning domestic violence. Gender Relations Minister Dr. Gail Rigobert disclosed that the department has made tremendous progress in terms of policies and legislative agendas. Dr. Rigobert stated that legislation must be strengthened and made accessible to victims. 
The Gender Relations Minister was speaking in light of crimes against women and children, including the most recent, which involved the murders of Kimberly DeLeo and Crystal George. What we have been doing is to ensure that we strengthen the legal framework and we have a suite of legislation that we're dealing with, all of which deal with anything from concerns of vulnerable children through to concerns of uh, vulnerable women and dealing with crimes meted against women and children. So it's a suite of, of, of legislation. I think the first one, the Child Protection Act, I think went through already. And we have some others in the making. So I'm praying that that will happen in quick time as we continue to collaborate with, with other agencies. Many who have fallen victims of domestic violence have had to endure a long wait in the courts. Dr. Rigobert weighed in on activities to mark the recent observance of International Women's Day. International Women's Day was observed on Sunday, March 8, 2020. That we had a very successful calendar of events this past weekend and let me emphasize that the entire month we will be hosting various events to honor and applaud our stellar women. On Saturday the 7th of March we had a very successful farmers market and expo showcasing products made by women. It was dubbed made by a woman uh, trade expo we had more than 22 participants young entrepreneurs and that was really heartwarming and encouraging we remain committed to providing more avenues for economic empowerment of women and to enhance their ability to fend for themselves dr rigobert also highlighted the usual church service which was held in monrepo and the fun match between young female cricketers which she says was a great success. Cecil Actil, NBC Prime. In all of this, I just think we need to do better. And nobody, nobody ever deserves to be treated that way. And it's not something that we should ever allow to go unpunished. And we need stronger legislation. We need people to truly get punished for putting their hands on men. Men get abused too, and maybe that's another show we have to deal with but especially women, and it's something that we have to delve into um, and have these serious and very uncomfortable discussions. But with that, I come to the end of the show. Um, The woman in the video, I hope you're doing okay and know that a lot of women um, do support you, and um, we all hope that you're okay. And with that, we come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in um, and listening on Hits FM 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south, also on Facebook. Um, I know you guys are there and listening as well. Um, when you're home, at work, watching on Flow, Channel 124, and, of course, on Instagram and Twitch, I appreciate you guys tuning in. We will be here same time tomorrow. But for now, have a great afternoon.